Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Thursday night. I don't know if you guys just saw the Seattle Seahawks uh, got the win uh, against the Green Bay, meaning the Los Angeles Rams will not be playing to clinch the playoffs in week 11. Uh, but we've got big things on the horizon. Obviously, Monday night's going to be an absolutely monumental game. But maybe more importantly, it kicks off Thanksgiving week. And as we enter into another episode of Tertio Radio, it's your boy 3K here on with Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Big Rob? What up, fellas? Means we got Joey O the Jerk at LA Rams 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 with us. Good evening, my jerks. For 27 minutes. After 27 minutes, the <laughs> Russians will hack into his computer and take down Tertio Radio because they know it's what brings everybody together. Technology is so, so good. It binds everything, brings us together. Well, all I, I keep seeing all this great news about Facebook. I'm not even going to read the stories. I'm just assuming everybody loves it. Um, Thanksgiving week <laughs> coming, man. Uh, what y'all doing for Thanksgiving? What y'all do you normally do for Thanksgiving? How does this work? <clears throat> we usually just go down to like, um, you know, my mom's and my, you know, or my brother's who lives. My brother lives in uh, Lake Forest, California. Oh, and, uh, wow. Yes. Home of the Super Church, the Saddleback Super Church oh, with nice. Rick Warren or whatever. Nice, nice. Um, but my, but this year I'm gonna have everybody come up to our house in the Shokes, Sherman Oaks, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna host it. And then um, I got a buddy coming in from um from the Vancouver, and so that weekend we're um we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna hit up some rad restaurants. We're gonna do either Major Domo, which is oh nice that, but the David Ching restaurant, which is amazing, mm. and or which is kind of on the other side, but um. The pop-up Saved by the Bell restaurant, okay. the Max. <laughs> I just like how completely different those are. Those are, those are about opposite in concept. You know what? They're both hot tickets. There you go. They're both hot tickets. What you got, Robbo? What you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm going to go uh, to Shokes and hit uh, the Keys. Keys, keys on Van Nuys. Keys, keys, turkeys on Van Nuys. <laughs> uh, I I was to uh, do the Thanksgiving here since my, my wife and I are, you know, transplants in seattle we don't really have family here other than our own so we don't get to do the big the big thing you guys would have heard about that if we had the last episode of last week up because we talked about you know family and whatever so wait that's what we're doing we'll just have uh i have three kids and their significant others whatever so i do the cooking it's my day my kitchen get out drink beer drink wine have some spirits oh it sounds horrible I'll, I'll let you know when the food is done kind of situation and we watch football and uh, i get up in the morning and just knock it out. It's uh, it's a good day because I enjoy it. What is the food situation? What does that include? Uh, we hit the basics. Uh, so, you know, turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, that kind of thing. Green beans with uh, bacon and red chili flakes and oh. garlic, that kind of thing. Okay. Almonds. That, um, I do, a, I usually do like a, um, what else I do? I usually do like a Brussels sprout thing. Yeah, it's it just everyone has their favorite thing that they like. I'll make the cranberry that morning. Make the cranberry uh, sauce with the orange and so no can cran. No, we don't do the can cran. I pop those babies in there and I let nature take its course. Uh, yeah, so I just everyone has their favorite thing that they like. All my kids and I kind of make all the favorites, and then there's it's just it's just a ton of food for you know like uh, nine people, <laughs> and it's it's probably more food than it's everyone gets to take like leftovers home because I don't want it here. So we just, I was packing up and give them like to go boxes. And I, I usually buy like a 22 pound turkey and I just send it out the door. 
Joey, what, what's the O'Coin menu at Shokes this year? We'll, we'll offer the canned cranberry sauce, if you will, but also the one that tastes good too. So we serve them. So for the uh, for the, the monsters stuff. that not the cheap yeah, stuff, for the weirdos that want it out of can, you know, they can get it. But we serve it in a dog dish, so nice. you really just know classy. <laughs> you have to get that shame going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, I, I love my, myself some some sweet potatoes and some yams and all that sort of stuff. But stuffing, I'm all about the stuffing. And okay. uh, so it's pretty tra- pretty traditional. I wouldn't say we we go um, that eclectic on the menu. But I'm a big pie guy. Okay. So um, we usually have like a lot of different pies. What the? Well, we talked about this in the last episode as well because you have uh, a 200 person Thanksgiving at McAtee House. Oh, it's coming! It's coming! It's gonna be. We started coordinating food this week. Meats, all the rice dishes. Oh, good lord! I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how I don't wait. For those who didn't hear the last episode, meaning everyone, can you give us a quick like recap of what your family Thanksgiving is like? Because it was pretty damn impressive. and then there's what you guys do. Well, it, it so it depends on how much coordination there is. There, there, there have been years where we have all some of the families in California, some of the families in Texas, and some's in Louisiana. So if we used to convene all of us together, and it was, uh, it, it was like Saddleback. Uh, you had you know thousands of people. You had tables of meats. You had all kinds of just weird animal parts that were used for unspeakable dishes weird old french terms um everybody from the age of 12 and up uh, was allowed to drink it's just an old world gathering it's not you know it's the it's the kind of tradition that old louisiana created it's not something that modern america really does much um but this year we're going to be small it sounds like we're going to be about 75 um (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty tiny pretty tiny Frying turkeys for celebrities, 75 persons, small Thanksgivings. You have a fascinating life. It's the traditions that keep us together. It'll be fun. <laughs> I'll take the truth. Um, good times. We do have, we mentioned this obviously in the last episode. We'll mention it again. Uh, thoughts obviously go out to those affected by the fires. Joey, give us a fire update. You're on the ground, man. Um, it's been a wild week. We know the Rams are giving out tickets to first responders coming on Monday. Um, worst fires ever. I haven't even looked at the most updated numbers as of tonight, but we know it's uh, going to go down in history as a pretty monumentous last two weeks. Uh, What's the deal from where you're sitting? I've had friends that, you know, my friend's uh, father lost his house, uh, and then my buddy lost his, like, airstreams, things like that, just Malibu. and A lot of people I know in Malibu are really hurting, and, and, and that's probably the most brutal thing that's happened to that area. Probably since those those Northridge earthquakes, which I don't think even affected Malibu right. that much. I mean, Malibu's been kind of this kind of pristine place for just old millionaires, and uh, it's 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 terrible because I mean, it's just so dry right, right now, and like you just go outside and you can just you just feel it in your in your lungs, and uh, it's getting a little bit better. But even just the other day when the wind was blowing and you just knew it was dry, like. It just sucks, you know. Like it, it should be like cold and wet right now. We're in November, you know what I mean? It's like I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt right now. It's like I like you, you kind of like want to like, like if if I put my jacket on, maybe it won't be like super hot and dry. But like, no, we're we're living in a desert over here, so it's uh it's hard. But I think what the Rams are doing is pretty yeah. great 
sort of ambassadorship of the area. I think it's a good way to kind of plug into the community by just showing goodwill and giving out tickets to the first responders and the victims of the fire. I think that's a really classy move. And, but I mean, you're not going to get these people's homes back. They're not going to get their stuff back. So it's just, it's, it's a brutal thing, but it's, uh, I think everyone's thinking about it. You know, I think it's, it's, there's something about this this game, and we'll talk about it later, of course, but um, about right now, LA kind of has that beleaguered sort of, uh, you have that kind of empathy towards that city where you're kind of like, oh man, they just had like a shooting and they had these fires, like, you know, LA needs a win. They, they lost the World Series. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and, it's, and it's like, you know, LA like rarely has that that sort of like, Oh man, just just kind of a break quality. You know, like LA's pretty pretty much the opposite of that. Lakers know? are struggling. Uh, I mean, the Rams are what it's holding the community together right now. I know, man. It's all about just the uh the the technique <laughs> the defensive technique of Aaron Donald, otherwise the city would crumble. So there you go. Um we talked about cold and wet. We'll get to Mexico City in a minute. We do have something on here for Oscar picks, and we haven't talked about Oscars in a minute. Mm, yeah. Uh Joey, give yeah. us an update on Joey Oscar Watch. Where are we at? Okay. So there's a movie that comes out tomorrow, Friday, or today, whenever you're listening to this. Wreck-It Ralph 2. (laughs) Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, (laughs) No. But um, is that – did you guys think that was a porn? I mean, I know it's Disney, but the first time I heard Wreck-It Ralph breaks the internet, I thought it was like the Kim Kardashian reference, and I was like, hold on. Are we crossing a line? What are we doing? I think even just Wreck-It Ralph kind of sounds like a porno. You're just like, oh, man, Ralph's going to wreck it. (laughs) Hold on, folks. <laughs> oh man, ding dong. Who are you? I'm Fix It Felix. <laughs> they're they're actually like a duo that like Fix It Felix is basically got my golden hammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do we got on this widows, man. <laughs> so it comes out um Friday and Steve McQueen's it has movie. Viola Davis, Steve McQueen, and it's basically a heist movie uh with the widows of the guys that were originally so it's like these like four guys in Chicago and they're pulling a huge heist and then in the first minute of the movie they all die and so these widows are like oh shit her husband's just died like you know what do we do and then Viola Davis is kind of like her and these kind of three three women and they figure out how to kind of rob essentially Colin Farrell but it's it's not like a fun heist movie it's more like a kick-ass drama heist movie so it's more like like heat and less like Ocean's Eleven, if you will. Yeah, it's got some got some edge to it. I do like the idea of what do we do, Viola Davis, as like a the, an entry into any movie. Oh no, Ralph wrecked the internet. What do we do, Viola Davis? Yep, I'll fix it. Well, and <laughs> and the funny thing is, usually in these movies, they just have like a montage of like, here's how you do it. Like it's just fun. But instead, which I think is very smart is that it's more about like it's like okay meet me at midnight this like warehouse and like one of the women are like i can't meet you i have like a kid like i can't go to some warehouse at midnight like it's so it's more of them dealing with like the logistics of of child care like not having a car like all these kind of things like they just don't live this lifestyle where in the middle of the night they're like planning a heist they're just kind of like um yeah i can't fit this in my schedule so it's like it's like fed it off with child care yes <laughs> Exactly. What about things like A Private War, which are out now, or Black Klansman, which is probably on rent video stuff now, because I love some Spike Lee. 
Yeah, man. I think Black Klansman is probably um, that's probably my favorite movie he's directed. I thought it was great. Rest in peace, Spike Lee. I don't. I don't know if you guys saw he died. The newspaper covered that Spike Lee died. Spike Lee, creator of Marvel Comics. Rest in peace. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Created some of our favorite characters. What would happen if Spike Lee directed Spider-Man? It would be better. It would actually be watchable. <laughs> if, if we just keep this going and never kind of, um, <laughs> you know, say, sit, sit, say what's, what, what you really meant, there's, there's going to be just like five guys that are just sitting out there listening to this podcast <laughs> super angry <laughs> that they're like commenting on. Like you messed up. What? You don't know the difference between those two guys, or not? <laughs> Who knows? I, just, I don't I think anybody's like, listening to this. Yeah, just let it ride. I mean, we we might get one angry tweet, but it'll probably be about uh, the voice inflection of OAW and not not about Spike Lee. <laughs> exactly. You did old AW wrong, and Jared doesn't talk like that. You guys suck. No, we don't. Those aren't impressions. Those are actual audio <laughs> clips of Andrew Whitworth. <laughs> actual. Actual in-studio guest. Yeah. That's just copy and paste, man. Um, we mentioned cold and wet. Let's go there. Uh, Mexico City. What the fuck happened? What happened? Shakira happened. Shakira. <laughs> she does it again. Those hips don't lie. Those Shakira wrecked don't lie. the NFL. It cost Mexico City. I uh, Did you guys get any reach out from social channels about this? Because... Uh, my Twitter blew up when I I took to the I, when I took to the tweet and I got some tons of responses from friends in Mexico. Thirty for thirty. What if I told you Shakira's butt ruined the lives of thousands of Rams fans? I feel bad for all our friends like Pink Survivor and her husband Paul and some other you know others who had purchased tickets months ago to go down there, and now they're screwed and they they, they lose some money. So I felt bad about that and Rams fans who made those commitments and even Chiefs fans, but. Honestly, could it work out any better for them? They get to play at home. They're not in Mexico City. They're not dealing with the altitude and any other garbage with it. As soon as the game is over, they're on the buy, so they're not traveling back anymore. It kind of worked out all right for them. You get to have Los Angeles as a platform for the NFL all by itself for the first yes. time Monday Night Football in decades and get to highlight eighty-five the, all the things that we've been talking about for Los Angeles over the last couple of weeks. They get to highlight that. They get to bring attention to that. And you get to have maybe the biggest game of the season in LA. Yeah, I think it worked out. Yeah, not a bad. So I, Joe and I kind of talked about this a little bit because here in Seattle, they have, uh, if you look at Seahawks Stadium, it's artificial turf. Um, which is fine for MLS and, and National Football League, but it's not fine for FIFA. So in order to play... Uh, I do like I do like the way you've got like FIFA as this, like, it's fine for MLS and NFL, but, but not for not FIFA. FIFA. The pinky out. Not for FIFA. It's, so in order for them to play like U.S. national team games or qualifiers or things, they, or Gold Cup, whatever, they have to bring on a national surface. So what they do, and this is really weird, but they grow it on these octagonal... Uh, blocks that they can bring in with a forklift so they grow it ahead of time it's there and then they bring it in and piece it together and they play on this this field that they just kind of puzzle in but it's it's firm and and i don't know how they've dealt with this how these things work but that's how they put it in and they do it in about 10 days here in seattle it's really weird i'm glad they came to their senses but that's that that was and the players, it sounded like, were the ones who who forced this change. Yeah. Their their threat of a boy. I'm glad that we're wheeling in hydroponic grass into Seattle, and it's not getting smoked. Um, no, it <laughs> it did sound both between Adam Schefter and Mike Freeman, and a couple of the reports that 
<clears throat> it was the players and not the field itself that prompted the switch. And I, I wrote about this today. I didn't go too deep in it because I wanted to see how people reacted. And I think we're, we're, it's it's one of these things where we don't have a lot of knowledge. One of the things that I pointed out a lot is what really kicked this off. It wasn't the reporting from Adam Schefter at first. It was the photos. The photos galvanized people's reaction to say, wow, that field looks horrible. We can't let players play on that. And And so I think the first thing I'd say is, when have we ever really looked at photos of a field a week before a game? Because if, if you look at the photos, even on Tuesday, after they started dropping the new sod, it looked it looked fine. And I think Joey alluded to this, where none of us really know the specifics of field maintenance. But if, if nobody had seen those initial photos, and all we had seen was the photos on Tuesday after the sod got dropped, you wouldn't have had nearly the public reaction to this. Truth. Well, you just spoke to the the power of the internet because you can make many assumptions on a small pixelated photo on your cell phone and it's fact and that's just how it is and you're not going to change public opinion. Once that gets rolling, it's how it is. That's why I wrote about why it's such a difficult precedent is you've got people reacting to a photo, which is never good. That's never safe to have people reacting to photos on Twitter. Two, you've got field conditions now coming into the four. And I talked about this two weeks ago when the Jets played the Dolphins, where it really barely registered, but that field was a shit show. And and they had a, they literally had an NFL official tell Adam Schefter that specifically. He called it a shit show, and it was. I don't know if any of you guys saw. I'm sure you both did, Rob and Joey, saw Miami play Duke the day before. This is two weekends ago. Oh, yeah. Watched the entire thing. The first half, it was pouring. This is Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, open uh, ceiling stadium. It absolutely poured on the field, and so they got through the game. But afterwards, the field was a hot mess. They had 24 hours to turn it around. Now, did they do it? According to the NFL, yes. I, I wonder... I wonder if that game took place after what just happened in Mexico City and we saw the photos of it after the game, whether it would have gone down the same way. And the main reason why is the third point I made in that piece is that the players had the power. You had players say, yeah, I'm not going to play on that field. I I wonder the next time we have a field that looks chopped up, if you have somebody like Sam Darnold, the rookie quarterback for the Jets, look at that and go to his coach and say, coach, I'm worried about playing on this field or an owner coming out and say, yeah, I'm not putting my investment on that field. What would have happened if Twitter was around in you know the mid 80s? Because if you remember vet, the vet in Philadelphia, that was the worst piece of garbage stadium, uh, field around. It was, it was pieced together with terrible seams. I mean, it was blow- people were blowing things out right and left, and it was mocked by everyone for years. Uh, you, know, you could see visible seams and all kinds of stuff. Do a Google search of Soldier Field. Soldier field conditions. Do a Google search. It's just one. It's just one of those things where it, I, I think we all understand why the NFL made this decision. It it pretty much got near unanimous support from everybody, players, media, fans, which which is kind of the the hard part, right? Is that if you're going to move a game because the field conditions seem. Uh, at least by photo evidence and by representatives. Remember, this isn't like Todd Gurley went down there and tested the field and said, no, I'm not doing this. They were looking at the same stuff we were. They were in Colorado smoking that good hydroponic grass that Seattle plays on. John Johnson Johnson tweeted about it, right? He retweeted that that picture, the picture everyone saw. He retweeted it. And he's like, so what happens the next time a star player looks at a photo and says, nah, no way. 
Because now the NFL has implicitly acknowledged a relationship between the quality of a field and injuries. So, so remember, the Rams go into Chicago, but luckily it's coming after a couple of weeks where the Bears are away. Green Bay goes there the next week. If the Rams and Bears play on that field and chop it up in December, and we look at the photos on Monday the same way we just did on a Tuesday for Estadio Azteca, and, and, and you got Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, I don't think we need to do that. What, what's, what's the NFL supposed to do now? They've set a really dangerous Make them play that game in L.A. I, I think everybody understands it, understands that this game was an outlier, that it wasn't like, well, well yeah, come hell or high water, the Raiders have to play on dirt eight times a season, and that's just the way it is. Whereas this was a special sort of, you know, we're going international, sure. that people kind of, I think there's just a different understanding of like, oh, the field that we're sacrificing a home game for is shredded up. like. No, that's not cool. But if it's just where you play and it's your, it's, it's where the Bears play, then I think they just they accept it more. I think the players are like, yeah, well, you know what, we we play in a a shitty stadium. Yeah, I do like the idea of the LA Rams being the favorite child of the NFL family. Dad, I don't want to play on this family. You know what? Why don't we go to Los Angeles? We'll find you a much better grass for you to play on. We'll make it popular so that everybody can watch you play. Oh, thanks, Dad. Hey, it's uh, your other kid, Oakland. Uh, I don't feel too good this weekend. You know what, Oakland? <laughs> Tough it out, buddy. Tough, Tough it and walk it off. Right. <laughs> walk it off. And, and, and you know what? Uh, get out of the field because there's a baseball team coming in four hours. So uh, the, move yeah, your the shit. Yeah, the, the A's need the field. So you know, pack it up and get going, boys. You know what I learned about this whole situation is that the team who is supposed to have the home game uh, for international series, so the Rams in this case, are required to keep that date open at their venue in case things don't work for something like this. I did not know they actually did that, but I, I learned that little fun fact. They are required to keep the, that date open at their stadium just in case it sucks. Who do you think's doing that work? Who's the designated survivor of the NFL? Like, oh, you bet you got to keep that stadium <laughs> open just in case Wembley blows up. Tony Pastors. I'm sure like Mission Viejo High School is like the 11th option. <laughs> Designated survivor. <laughs> so I have a question real quick. Is um, USC or whoever is the managers of the LA Coliseum, we've heard that they didn't want the Rams to play on Monday nights. Correct. Because of just the fact that it's like a school day the next day or whatever. You're gonna keep you're gonna keep calling kids up at night, and we can't. How have come that. he gets to stay up late on a school night, and I don't? You know what? I don't. I don't know. Go to bed. Go to bed, Oakland. <laughs> shut, shut up, Raiders. So yeah, I mean, it, but but it sounds like they were like, eh, well, what are you gonna do? It's Monday Night Football. We're playing the game, right? And just USC was like, right. okay, kick right. rocks, USC. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know who's the big loser out of all of this? Taco stands in Mexico City. Please say it's. Please say it's USC it, because I like them when they're losers. No, it's it's Jared Goff. He's not going to be able to go down. And, you can't uh, hit Taco Bell in Mexico City? <laughs> you can't hit a Taco Bell with Higgs and, and, and see if the Mexican pizza oh, stacks man. up to the Mexican oh, pizza. Man. In Mexico City. Oh, the original Del Taco. Oh, bro. No. Dude. <laughs> because everybody knows Jared Goff's favorite food is Tocito Scoops, but number two is Taco Bell's Gordita. He loves it. <laughs> Bro, do you get yours with the, with the beef or do you go to the chicken? Bro, I don't care, man. As long as it's Adida, I'm cool. Don't they have Stas El Chipotle? 
Oh, Mitchell's grub. Higgs. <laughs> Higgs, why don't you run down to the Taco Bell and get us some grub, Higgs? <laughs> Do you think that Tyler Higby and Jared Goff like play catch with each other like in the backyard like they <laughs> do they do plays but it's just them like in the backyard and he works on routes just them as buddies or do you think it's always like at a practice I'm gonna, facility i'm gonna take it one step further they're in the backyard with the nerf ball and it's like bro you know 15 seconds left super bowl we're down by four you know i'm going to you let's hit that coat hit, hit the corner i got you yeah that would get be kind of cool. Get around that FICA, and I got you. <laughs> it, it'd be funny if the, during a game he's in the, he's in the huddle, and he just turns to Higgs, and he's like, all right, man, just do what you did by the ficus tree two weeks ago, bro. Totally. Just, just do what you did right after we totally. were watching an episode of Frasier. Just do that. And like, <laughs> and the rest of the team, like Brandon Cooks, is like, what the <laughs> is going on? Um, two things. So number one, they definitely do that, but they don't do it with a Nerf ball. They do it with chips and guac from Chipotle. Where oh, <laughs> chunk that guac rock, dude! Chunk that guac rock. Chunk it at me. <laughs> and then rock. two, they, it's not that they play football as much. They definitely play that old foam basketball on the back of the door thing. They definitely have one of those. <laughs> and they've broken they many laps. Jump off the. Do bed. they take it even deeper? Do they have the old electronic football where you plugged it in and the little guys at the wheels like would <laughs> shake? Like and vibrating go. metal. You just dated yeah. yourself, Rob. What year did you go to high school? No, <laughs> so sad, man. So sad to see Mexico City go. I'm interested by the press. I'm interested how this works out moving forward. I think it's, hey, let's be honest. We get a home game that we weren't going to have in L.A. Monday night football. It's going to be incredible. Uh, just the circumstances yeah, of it are just so strange. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll be a big game. As as for the game, the football itself, man, it's one of those things where it almost takes a backseat because of how things played into this game. But maybe as we turn a corner, and now that we've got some football tonight between the Seahawks and the Packers, it starts becoming a football game. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, the injury report wasn't uh, very big. I don't know if you guys saw for the Rams. It was incredibly small. Cooper Cup out. Oh, by the way, that's a random angle we didn't talk about. Bravo. Cooper Cup. Injures is an eight. I'm I'm always fascinated by the narratives that we do in content where people get real scared about a hypothetical thing and don't care about reality. So so people the NFL, you had players, everybody's scared about the field in Mexico, like, oh shit, the field might be bad. Somebody might get hurt. Meanwhile, the Rams played at the Coliseum a day after USC played Cal. Cooper Cup tore his ACL. Uh one of the best players. The year at home. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not even linking the field to its injury. I'm not even saying that. Oh, I am. Maybe, maybe we should, you know, discuss that. Not, not us. Not you and me and Joey. Uh, maybe the NFL might want to say, "Hey, is this is this smart? Is this the best way to do this?" Well, I mean, they have the best commissioner out of professional sports. I mean, Roger Goodell is probably the best, and it's a you know, it's really run making the fans happy and everybody loves the way the, the NFL makes their decisions. So I don't, I don't see a problem. Yeah. What anything. was funny was, was when the initial story came out on Monday about the field conditions in Mexico, the, the reaction from almost all of the media was, yeah, but it's the NFL. They're going to do it anyway. They're just going to play the game. Cause of course they would. The NFL doesn't care. Then you get a player boycotts and the NFL gets scared and they change their mind. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yep. They did not want to see, they did not want to see Sean Mania versus you know, whoever Pat or backup is in Kansas City, they did. They wanted no part of that. 
I was just going to say what's interesting about this game is that it is probably the best game of the season without having playoff implications. Like, there's obviously going to be some games in week 14, 15 that are really going to decide whether a team, or even you know the last week of the season, that decides whether a team is going to get into the playoffs. You're going to really remember those games. You're going to call them like, oh, that's a great game because you know the stakes have it. Where this is a game that doesn't necessarily have make or break stakes for either team. If whatever team that loses this game they're probably still going to win their division and they're going to get into the playoffs and they're probably going to have home field. Not totally, not for sure, but it just seems like both these teams are going to be okay. And I feel like still with that being said, without the the stakes of like what this is going to mean for their playoff implications, it just feels more like it's just a free awesome game. Yeah, it's it's a free awesome game where you're just matching these guys up. Where it's like, how good is Jared? Bonus play. <laughs> exactly. You 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 just you you want to get a test run that these guys playing the Super Bowl. Like, are they even quality, or is one team just way better than the other team? And you you don't really know until you see that matchup on the field. Yeah, here's here's the spoiler alert. Neither team is way better than the other team. They're both really awesome. This is going to be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is one team who's better than the other, and you should always know that. <laughs> the, Hall- the Harlem Globetrotters? I, I right. Who's the Washington Generals in this situation? <laughs> um, no, this is going to be awesome. So injury report we talked about. Uh, Cooper Cup has not been placed on IR yet. Along with Cooper Cup, you had just Greg Zerline and Kel Roby Coleman, not injury-related. Remember, the Rams are still practicing in Colorado. Today was a walkthrough at the Broadmoor. They're actually going to be at the Air Force Academy the next two days for practice. So we'll see if anything happens. Otherwise, uh, for yet again, the third year in a row, things look pretty fantastic for the Rams on the injury front. This year, maybe a little bit less so than the last two. For the Chiefs, not a ton going on. They got Eric Berry and Mitch Morse. Uh, both who were unable to practice today. Sammy Watkins was limited, but supposedly he's going to be a go. Everybody else was pretty much a go. Pat Mahomes was on the injury report with a foot injury, but he was a full participant. Maybe more concerning, hopefully to Chiefs fans, uh, and not injury-related, was you had these great two pieces between uh, Pat Mahomes and Jared Goff uh, from ESPN that really went big into their personal histories and their personal lives. The Jared Goff one was just a good read. The Pat Mahomes was mostly a good read. But it revealed a dark, dark secret that I don't know that anybody was ready for, Robo. Yeah, disgusting. It's the stuff of nightmares. And if any of you listening do this, go become a Seahawks fan. Pat Mahomes puts ketchup on his steak and on his mac and cheese. <sighs> He's seven. So that's what seven-year-olds He's an athletic I, I might be angering Joe right now, and I and I might be just instantly dropped from the from the podcast. But oh, you feed Augie ketchup and mac and cheese every day. It's his favorite meal. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let's let's just let's hey, get the Dad. mac and cheese and just and, and hold oh, yeah. that for a second because that's disgusting. The steak and ketchup, I don't do that. But um, I had this agreement with with my wife, and and she and she does do that. But oh. it's it's my goal on cooking steak is just trying to get a steak where she doesn't want ketchup with it. And actually, last night she was like, "This steak's amazing. This is great." And she didn't have didn't have ketchup on it. I was like, "Okay, now we're now we're moving forward." Yeah, here's there we go. Here's the thing: if you like the flavor of beef and ketchup together, that's not inherently problematic. Uh, what doesn't yeah. make sense is going out and buying a steak to do it. Like, why would you just get yeah. the cheapest cut of beef? If that's what you want is beef and yeah. tomatoes, 
don't buy a steak, man. That's just disrespectful to the cow. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe he, maybe he's maybe he's eating Sizzler steaks. I mean, but it, it sounded like in the, in, in the, in the anecdote for his mom, it sounded like they were like at a Ruth Chris or something. So he was probably buying like a thirty-two dollar steak, and then you he's imagine. like throwing some ketchup. Could you imagine it being like an amazing steakhouse, and she, someone he's asking for the bottle of ketchup? That would be. I would love to see that. Pardon me, Mr. Mahomes. Would you uh, care for anything else? Is your steak done? Yeah, bro, but I need some ketchup. <laughs> I, I was I was waiting on Kwame Brown, and uh, when he's playing with the Lakers, K- K- Kwame Brown wanted uh, this particular dressing, and we didn't have it. So he he made his wait 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 like, what, dressing? I don't know. what dressing? Ranch. Key detail. I mean, this is like a, a billion years ago, but it was like something like a thousand it, island. It was ranch. Like it was ranch. <laughs> it was ranch. And, uh, no, we we had ranch. It's like California Pizza Kitchen. We had ranch. But we didn't have like Thousand Island or whatever he wanted. So he walked. He made he made his coach or somebody, uh, some like trainer guy, go to like pavilions down the corner, which is a grocery store in Beverly Hills. And he came back. He got the dressing, put the dressing on his salad, which is like fine, whatever, weirdo. It's Beverly Hills. But then he has the audacity to return the salad because he didn't like the way it tasted with the dressing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "No, nah, man, I don't want this." <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, anyways, um, let's let's talk about the rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. Oh, wait, are, are we done with Pat Mahomes and ketchup? Because I wasn't done. I no, no, you're right. You're right. You're Here's right. the part that hurts me most, and you guys know what it is. It's not the steak. It's not the ketchup. Pat Mahomes is from Texas, man. Pat Mahomes is Ooh. carrying the flag. Pat Mahomes is out there on the moon, and he planted a flag of ketchup. He represented all of us, all of us who know beef, who know the quality of steak, who know marbling, who know Kobe, who know Wagyu, and he put tomato water on it. Pat Mahomes, how dare you, sir? How dare you? You know who should teach him a lesson on Monday? Jared Goff. Aaron Donald should teach him a lesson. I wonder if we don't put ketchup. (laughs) How mad is this going to make? How mad is this going to make Andrew Whitworth? Like, wait, hold on, what? Yep. He do, he do what? With the tomato juice. He put it right on it. Somebody got to tell. He's going to be like Aaron Donald after the game with Justin Brett. Somebody got to teach this motherfucker a lesson. Put, give me, I'm making potty words. Give me my hat. He doesn't even call it. And, and during the, give me my plastic hat. I got to go to work. And, and, and he's on the sidelines while, the, uh, while Mahone's on the field, and he's just shouting at him like, you know, Catch you up. don't put that on a stake. Catch up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Quentin Nelson yeah. video with him screaming, except Andrew Whitworth is just pulling on screens in front of Todd Gurley. Just it's like Waterboy. He's just angry thinking about it. Catch up! In this situation, I'm pretty sure it's Ted Rath who's yelling catch up at Patrick Mahomes, right? And the sideline just ra- roid raging. Catch yeah. up, motherfucker! Catch up! We don't do catch up again. You get to, you can see him popping out and him almost passing out from blood loss. I can just see Pat just like shaking at Ted Rath yelling at him. Well, you know, it'd be great is, you know, it's a primetime game, Monday Night Football. I think we, the Rams fans should kind of get a little Philadelphia Eagles on them and just come with tomatoes and just throw tomatoes on the field. I thought you were going to say throw bottles of ketchup. I was like, damn, Joey, that's cold, man. That's some actual salt <laughs> shit. If you're going to the kitchen, you can bring your ketchup packets and let, let those Chiefs have it. Give, give it to Pat Mahomes. That's the difference between yeah, empathetic, empathetic Joey and crazy Philly is empathetic Joey is like, let's go crazy and throw tomatoes at him. Philly will throw actual glass bottles of Heinz ketchup at you. 
Yeah. They're, they're like Molotov cocktails. You're like, this isn't even a ketchup bottle. They're like, whatever. We're from Philadelphia. Why are you throwing batteries? It's a ketchup battery. Yeah. <laughs> Santa better not talk about eating ketchup on his, on his steak or mac and cheese because they will give it to him. Yeah, that's true. All right. Did we talk about what is what is weirder? Ketchup and steak. And ketchup. The thing about ketchup and steak is, I get it because that's beef and tomato. That makes sense. Ketchup and mac and cheese. That's like a toddler thing. That's like chocolate and chicken. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you don't do that. You don't do that. That's gross. Ketchup and mac and cheese is the kind of thing you have to eat with one of those rubber kitty spoons. Like, you can't eat that with a normal spoon. True. I'm eating my mackie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. Like he has like a Cars 2 plastic plate that he eats it out of. Yes, uh, Mr. Mahomes, can we get you anything with your mac and cheese? I need my ketchup and my bib. Thank you. And uh, your meal comes with a toy. Do you want a boy toy or a girl toy? I'm okay. Yes. Just more ketchup. Yoy, yoy, yoy. <laughs> but but that being that being said. Um, I can't wait for Wreck-It Ralph 2. <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. No! But no, the thing about them is that is he's still going to throw like six touchdowns. Of course he is. He's going to own that. He's going to like find some ketchup celebration. It's going to be terrible. How many touchdowns, touchdowns given up by Marcus Peters and Troy Hill on Monday Night Football? Many. Do Marcus Peters and Patrick Holmes have a relationship because they played for one season with each other? I wonder Ooh. if they they have like a knowledge of each other. Or, or... Do you remember the interview with Marcus Peters when he was first traded to the Rams? Michael Robinson on NFL Network. I saw it again this week. Uh, he's like, "Hey, what's going to happen?" Whatever. He's like, "He knows how to give me the ball." <laughs> he was mad that they that they disrespected Alex Smith and they mentioned Patrick Mahomes. He's like, "Yeah, he knows how to give me the ball. We'll see." He was talking some smack back in February. Well, yeah. What's interesting yeah. is you got the Marcus Peters rematch. You got Sammy Watkins maybe facing his old team. Maybe. If we can figure out if his foot. Speak, on, speak on it, boys. Sammy. I, Come on. I, I think the Sammy Watkins storyline, and, and they might try to push it pretty hard, but it's pretty boring because Sammy Watkins never really felt like he was a Los Angeles Ram. He just kind of felt like he was kind of doing a sort of, uh, I don't know, like a make-a-wish thing with a team where he kind of was able to do some plays and do some cool stuff. But like at the end of the day, I mean, I just didn't feel like he was really part of the team. I think when he left, everybody was like, he was really good, but like, I don't know, like we don't want him anymore. He played in 16 games for the first time in forever. That was a make-a-wish make moment with the Rams. I just miss his Twitter <laughs> yeah. feed. I miss, I miss the old, weird astrology, A Fish Called Wanda. What was that old 70s movie, The Fish Who Stole Pittsburgh? Did you ever see that movie, Robbo, you know what I'm talking about? Unfortunately, oh. yes. The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Is that what it's called? Yeah, The Fish That Saved yeah. Pittsburgh. It's about an astrologer who becomes a coach of a basketball team. It's got Jonathan Winters and Metal Lark Lemon. It's a great movie. And I, I think maybe that's what uh, Sammy Watkins was to us. He was our little... He was our, what, what was her name? I forget her name, the woman who played the coach, but he was our weird astrology. Stalker Channing. Star, no, Sh Stalker Channing was the coach? She was the astrologer. Oh, my goodness. And uh, time flies. And I guess Julius Irving was in this movie Dr. as well. Dr. J was in it, yeah. I do miss Sammy's Twitter. I miss his random, to the stars and back, little inspiration out there in the cosmos. Happy Solstice 2018. Actual tweet from him. <laughs> 
He's a, he believes the world is flat, guys. He doesn't believe in globes. So how, how many game is Travis Kelsey going to have against that secondary and linebacker crew, which seems to you know give up chunks to tight ends weekly? Is Travis Kelsey going? Is he going to set NFL records for tight ends in this game? Or are they going to shut him down and, and Sammy Watkins and Tyreek? Or Hill? is Gerald I mean, Everett and Tyler Higby going to set a tight end record? You turncoat. Young Gerald. They're going to set a record, all right. Um, everyone has to hope this is another Rams-Minnesota game, right? We want to see a big-ass shootout that, of course, we come out on the top on, but we want to see a fun up and down. How disappointing is it going to be if this is 17-14? What are the chances of that? I mean, the chances of that got to be like 2%, right? The over-under is something like 70 points this week, right? 65? It's, where it's are we of, at with the over under? Is this the highest over under ever? I forget what the hyperbole yes. where we're yes. at with this over under. I think it's like the highest over under ever. Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's, uh, the highest since 1986, according to four days ago. What the hell happened in 1986? What? Who? Who? What? The Bears. That was a year after uh, the Bears had like the best defense of all time. This was a, 1986 was when people were having good games passing for 190 yards. Ooh, he looks sharp. He was 9 of 12 for 180. <laughs> Running back had a bad day. He only had 348 yards on the ground. The previous highest highest over-under total in ESPN's NFL database was 62 in a, in a November 2009 game between the Rams and, 40, and 49ers. Rams won 34-20. I thought we're like at 63 and a half now. Yeah. Uh, so what is it right I'm now? Not, 64. 64. It says 64. Yeah, I think this is the biggest ever. I'm going to act like it's the biggest ever. This is one of those things where I don't care what I'm. I'm pulling my trump card. I don't care what the fact. This is the biggest over under ever. People are saying this is the, ever since this is the biggest over under since Abraham Lincoln. You got to do that, Bill Murray and Caddyshack though. Is it biggest under? Big, <laughs> biggest under. He's going for the dough. Oh, he's playing with the guac rock with Jared Goff uh, in his backyard. All right. Oh, don't you forget about me. We are dating our. This is another. This is becoming a theme where we are not connecting with the kids. We are struggling with this. Um, Speaking, I will say this. Um, we talked about ketchup and mac and cheese. That probably does connect with the kids. I bet that's a thing the kids are doing these days. I bet yeah. that's. I bet that's a thing that like twenty. Like Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. What does he put in his mac and cheese? Vodka. I felt, woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I wanted them to like do an, a, a Top Gun thing. Which again, dating me because that's twenty years ago, thirty years ago, whatever. That no, was. Dude. <laughs> I'm Ice Man. I could just see him doing the whole the whole Top Cruise. Ice Man. This is the most eighties podcast of all time. <laughs> Everything we've hit Caddyshack, we've hit Top Gun, Stalker Channing. What are we doing? It's what are we it's doing? This is uh this podcast is for every old ass Rams fan in LA like Joey the, and I. The NFL definitely approves of this podcast. Um, bold predictions. Joey hit us with a heater, and don't put ketchup in it, please. Well, you know what? I don't think that the fact of the idea of a low scoring game. I, I think it's so crazy that I don't even think that's a bold prediction. I think that's just kind of fantasy. Yeah, yeah, it's my old theory of like uh, once stuff gets bad enough, it gets good. Once something gets so bold, it's not bold anymore. It's not even it's not even worth considering. It's not even bold. <laughs> exactly. So really, got to find that bottom of just like what's believable enough. And I think my bold prediction is that Jared Goff is going to outduel Patrick Mahomes nice. on Monday Night Football and throw for mm-hmm. uh, 
six touchdowns and uh, almost 500 yards. So, Victor, what you got, Robbo? Give me a bold one. Uh, if you want a bold one, I'm going to go. Anyway, it worked last time. I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to go. J Ray is going to catch three of those six touchdowns for my boy, Cooper Cup. Before I get to bold predictions, here, here's a question for you. If Cooper Cup were to suit up in the playoffs, would you die? Would you immediately collapse on the spot? Just the sheer joy. I need a bucket and a mop because all kinds of goodness would happen and I would just be in a zone and uh, I would probably have to you know, wake up post-game. And That's Cooper Cup coming out of the tunnel. <gasps> Cooper Cup. His draft day all over again for me. I would jump up, scream, run out of my house and jump over the back of my couch and land in the back of my living room and yell some obscenities that makes my wife, my wife go to another room. That Chariots of Fire music playing in the background. There's another reference for the kids, Chariots of Fire. Uh, bold prediction, Marcus Peters pick six. It feels right. I like I it. Feels good. Uh, the Ringer had a video today about Sean McVay. Joey, you're a Sean McVay fan. What do you think? I thought it was really interesting. I, um, I really like the, the, the Ringer stuff. I think Chris Ryan... Is uh, was really smart and had you know all the NFL show guys were on there, and I think it was. <clears throat> I kind of get the the confused. So when they're, when they're on the show, like I kind of I know it's um, Danny Kelly. I think was the one who made the point that the, in their Slack they're, they're talking about the cult of McVay and how he just kind of has this sort of almost supernatural. Uh, reputation right now that he's just he's so much better it's kind of how in the nba people talk about greg popovich how he's just way better than the other coaches and now he kind of thinks that it's a little too much you know overhyping him and i think the point that he kind of gets so much credit because he's been contrasted by these old crusty guys that essentially kind of operate the same they're all these kind of serious kind of dudes that we're just used to like that's what a coach does and to see mcveigh contrast that with these sort of innovative new things it's great and we love it but it could also very quickly become the new normal because i mean think about the browns are you gonna hire like an old guy are you gonna hire excuse me mike mccarthy or some like seven-year-old guy to coach baker mayfield or are you gonna get some 35 year old guy that's like a McVeigh clone to like, you know, coach your new young quarterback. And I think that it makes sense to me that there's going to be more coaches like McVeigh coming through. I mean, that's, he really set a trend. And I feel like the front office of the Rams were really onto something. They're, they're brave and they're smart to make that decision. And now you look at what the Bears are, Bears is happening with their coach, Nagy. And I think you're going to see it that this, they're gonna adopt the the the, the jet. Um, I want to say the jet stream, but the um, you know the, the gadget plays and the play action, chest punt, the chest punt. Robert Mays touched on some of that. He's like, you know what? What the, the Rams could be putting the pressure on every other thirty-one of the NFL teams right here. Look at look at the Cardinals as a prime example. Steve Wilkes' first year, they're failing. They're not doing great. Their def- their offense is terrible, and you got Rosen sitting there. He's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they like pull the plug on him because they know, and they're talking about 
striking while a rookie contract is active. And like, you know, you can't wait two or three years to find out if the coach is the right guy because you're wasting that rookie contract, which is kind of how they compare it with Goff. Right. He's like, I wouldn't be surprised to see the fire Wilkes in year one and go get themselves a young offensive guy to kind of help help Josh Rosen along. And they also mentioned the Jets. You know, is it time for Todd Bowles to come out because you've got Donald's rookie contract? So all these teams with young players, they need to find this young guy to maximize that rookie contract before they're too expensive and you can no longer do what the Rams are doing. And that was a big part of what they were talking as well. Although Kevin Clark loved to uh, poo-poo everything. Did you guys notice that? Danny Kelly was like, kind of – he had some moments here. Robert Mays seemed to be you know, gushing over, over McVay. Kevin Clark would always be like the buzzkill. Hey, guys, let's go do this. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, totally. What would it – it was his and his point was funny because he was really making fun of Jeff Fisher, which I always love. But he's like, you know, what would an NFL average coach do with this roster? Because they had Jeff Fisher and the worst staff ever. There was a, there was a Frank Signetti reference. He's like, you know, Jeff Fisher was setting up shell companies. You know, just getting all his buddies' jobs and, and shell companies. Yeah, it was mentioned there. He's like, you know, this is he was so bad. It was the worst staff ever. And he's like, I, I'm not sure if McVeigh's great because I think an average coach could have done. Almost the same thing. Uh, he he did say, you know, McVeigh is a great offensive mind, blah 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 blah. But I want to see what he could do when people figure his system out. And I'm like, did you did you see what he did in Washington? It was a it was a tight end offense. He didn't run the same offense in, in Washington, right. so he's already changed his offense. It just showed me that he didn't really know a whole lot about Sean McVeigh's past. But uh, the point was that they were they were talking about taking advantage of rookie contracts and will that force other NFL teams to to make changes before they normally would. Is it is this is this a defining moment in, a, in the NFL of that that move of the Rams forcing other teams to catch up and do the same thing? And it was an it, it was interesting. People should check it out. It's about a ten minute video and it's it's really I do good. like the idea of Jeff Fisher involved in some kind of illicit activity. A it would explain a lot, but B, what are the what are the chances that Jeff Fisher somehow gets involved in the Bob Mueller report? It's it's not zero percent. There's a there's a chance. No, it's like Please. a it's like a good solid seven percent chance. Oh goodness, I would love to hear of of like some meeting in in uh, St. Petersburg or something with Jeff Fisher and Russian officials. Can you get in his testimony to, to Congress about Mueller? Uh, we have documentation that supports the suggestion that for the last twenty five years, Jeffrey P. Fisher has been working in concert with the Russian government to create a PR effort to suggest that ketchup and steak are in fact acceptable. It has reached the highest levels of our entertainment complex. And at this point it is undoable. They have infected our national soul. Jeff Fisher, the Manchurian candidate <laughs> going after ketchup. Wow. That's amazing. Go, going back to McVeigh real quick. I, I wanted to talk about that. Um, the clip that the, the clip from the, the Seahawks game that I've watched a couple of times, on the internet is during the the sort of scuffle between um, Aaron Donald and and Justin Britt. The fact that he's running across the field or running down the sidelines, that you know, it was great. He's he's. I mean, how many coaches are just gonna just do a full on just sprint? Like that's a man who just he likes to run. And which I think he's the another eighties reference for you gentlemen. He's the the Tom Cruise of coaches. Always running. What the thing I like about him <laughs> is that Sean McVay uses every opportunity to like not not necessarily to coach, but almost to motivate. Like I, yeah. I can I can imagine like somebody getting 
or doing something really bad on his team and Sean McVay just shows up. All right, this is an opportunity to be who you are. Let's go get him. Come on. And just, just disappears like, yep. Coach, what? what? No. I, I also think when he goes somewhere and he has to dress up and wear dress shoes, I think in his car he also has like a pair of cross trainers just in the back and the trunk. He has three different outfits at any given time just in case. Yeah. Just in case he has to hustle. It's a man who likes to hustle. Well, that was a great clip. And, and the thing that really struck me is how we, like you said, motivated. He, he got, once he, he broke the players up, he purposely got a hold of Aaron Donald, who's trying to walk away from him. Goff had actually, if you watch the clip, he grabs Aaron and like, like hey, coach is talking to you. And so he's like, Aaron, Aaron, come here. Like, you know, forget all that crap. Use this moment. This is why you're great. Go win us the game. Like he's like, no, this forget that. This is go win us the game right here. This you know, show him why why you're the man. And uh he kind of did. Maybe that's what we need is like a yeah. Sean McVeigh motivation soundboard for when you mess up the turkey at Thanksgiving. All right, now this is when you turn things around. Let's go get him. Come on, get out there. <laughs> this is a learning experience. We know you fucked up the turkey, but you still got the gravy. So let's bring this thing home. <laughs> it's every day, one day at a time. We, not me. Coach, I just, I literally just woke up. Hey, it all starts with waking up. Let's go get him. You're ready to go. Come on, guy. <laughs> dare, dare you say wake up sprinting? Rise and grind? It, do you think McVeigh w- wakes up and sprint? Does he wake up and immediately sprint to the shower? Can't waste time. Got to get out of here. Yeah. There's a guy well, who no. probably doesn't enjoy Thanksgiving. I'm sure that he's, he thinks of Thanksgiving oh, as... As an enormous amount of time where he's not watching tape. Is he eating while he's watching? Is he eating turkey while watching tape? He gets to watch three football games that day. <laughs> John McVay loves Thanksgiving. He's, he's watching three football games in between all the tape he's watching. Thanksgiving, a.k.a. study hall. <laughs> <laughs> he watches seven games a day. You know that, that, that Thanksgiving game when it was uh, Detroit, Green Bay, when... when uh, God, Barry Sanders, you know, took that took that off schedule flip pass from uh, what the what was the guy's name? They traded him for, from Miami. Who was the old quarterback that, that the Lions traded for from Miami? And he actually was he was not good. Played for Wade Fonts. I'm going way deep here, but I can just see him like pulling one of those obscure Thanksgiving Day reference plays. Oh yeah, yeah, that was like a third and seven, and you know, yep. Barry Sanders handed off 47 yards. You know, they got this great kickout block on the linebacker and just Sean McVay it up. I'm going to ask him. I have Miles. I, I could DM Miles. I'm going to DM and see if we can get a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day play that Sean McVay remembers. Pull that thing out, Miles. Here's my gift to you, buddy. Do it. Put it on video. Have him ask. Have Rina talk to him about his five Thanksgiving Day memories and have it be about football. And he's going to quote off some stupid play from. 1984. Probably wasn't born then. So 2005. How about that? 2001. You think he had to be alive to remember those plays? No, he's got prenatal memory. Come on, man. Yo, Grandpa, when he was with the 49ers, they ran this play with Joe Montana. I watched it on the game floor. No, I I remember Gary Danielson, 1984. Handed off to they had James Jones coming out of the background. That's a good back. Good back. Good back right there. Um, Robbo, let's get to the disagreement. We were talking about Aaron Donald. We need to we need to flesh this out. I was of the opinion that I had no problem with him going over to Justin Britt after the game and having a discussion. I think you were of the opposite opinion. 
I was of the opposite opinion. I didn't mind him having a discussion right after the play when he did have the discussion, give him a little face wash and 15 yard penalty, whatever. And that's when you get whacked, you should whack back and you could stick up for yourself then. But my beef was after the game when his pads are off and you know the game's over. It's five minutes after that play happened. He had a chance to cool down a little bit. He uh, decided to strap up his helmet, run onto the field, and go find Justin Britt and confront him there. I love it. And I did not uh, – I thought that was kind of a selfish moment because you don't know what could happen. You just never know. I don't want to see you know something roll over, suspension, someone get hurt. I just – I just thought there was there was opportunity for something stupid to happen there, and it would have been bad to lose our best player to, over something like that when you already gave him the business after the play. I think th- I think the thing for me was this was the first play of the season that I thought was was legitimately sincerely just dirty and nothing else. Remember when Brandon Cooks got knocked out, and we talked about the instincts of people that wanted who was it, Tony Jefferson or somebody to get Tedrick Thompson ejected from the game. Tedrick Thompson, that's right to get ejected from the game. I didn't, I didn't think it was a penalty. He never got a fine. That I mean, I thought it was just the nature of physical football. We had a, a horse collar on Cooper Cup that I didn't think it was dirty. I thought it was just cynical. I thought it was like, you know, when an NBA player fouls a guy on a fast break and you know that you're beat and you're just trying to take a penalty just to get over it and be done with it and come back. This, this was different. This wasn't, the Justin Britt wasn't trying to tackle he wasn't trying to get a stop, and this wasn't Matt Longacre. This was Aaron Donald, man. This was Aaron Donald picking up a ball, playing to the whistle, and Justin Britt came when Aaron Donald was trying to hand the ball back to the ref and hit him in the square of the back. 100% dirty on Aaron Donald. The next time they play baseball, Aaron Donald needs to throw out his head. That's all. This, this was Bobby the Brand Heenan distracting the referee so that – the Iron Sheik could come in and smash Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the head with a chair and then escape back out of the ring before the referee notices. Dirty. Timely reference. Dirty. 1980s reference number 36 check. <laughs> so you guys want to talk about Elf? I, I didn't watch Elf. I was, uh, oh. You didn't watch Elf? I really didn't. You know, the interesting thing about Elf was that when you look back at it, it was horrible. Terrible. Like steak and and mac and cheese, horrible. This was the product of the 1980s, which was mac and cheese and cocaine. There is no way you can make a pitch. Hey, I've got an idea for a family sitcom. It's a normal family plus an alien who eats cats that tells jokes. <laughs> From the kitchen. He's just always in the kitchen. <laughs> well, that's where the puppet master can be. He's always like behind the couch, right? If no, I remember peeping through like the... Like these the door. shutters from the kitchen to the living room. It's a terrible show. We have to stop talking about it. I'm going to panic attack. Miss you, Alf. I also, I also miss Night Court. Night Court was the perfect 80s sitcom. Nobody will ever convince me otherwise. The best theme miss song. That theme song is great. The Rams have posted another primetime game. We get flexed with the Chicago game, which, by the way, is going to be played at Soldier Field on a very interesting field. Going to be great. Can't wait. What do you guys think about this Bears? It's a makeup for flexing us out of the 49er game, so we're back to five. Fair enough. The yeah. NFL is saying, we deserve it. There you go. It's, we, we want to display a market. Actually, they, I mean, that should be a pretty good game, right? Bears aren't terrible. The Rams are right. involved. It's it's good. I saw they flexed other games this week as, uh, as well. There's um. Chargers. Chargers, yeah. yeah. So why not? Yeah, do it. 
good on you, NFL, for recognizing. Fight for mac and cheese. And what that means is that there'll be two Sunday night football games for the Rams in a row. Because the following week, they'll be playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. But oh, man, I bought my tickets today. Th- there could be a chance that if the Eagles keep losing and, you know, they're like four and whatever. The- if you tell me they're flexing that game, I'm going to. All I'm saying, Robbo, I'm sure it's on the table right now. We'll see. No, it cannot. I've got airline tickets that already dictate that I cannot come to an afternoon game. I'm going to be mad. Well, I guess take solace in the fact that I have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. So, One thing, and I just, I just dawned on me. I hadn't really thought about this. Nobody's really talked about the nature of the bye week coming up and just the idea that we've got this late bye. I was looking at the schedule just to kind of pr- look at things coming out of the bye. We got this game on Monday night against the Chiefs. Week 12 was our bye week. It was supposed to be a bye week, obviously, to allow us to recuperate coming back from Mexico City. You come out of this at Detroit, at Chicago, home against Philly, at Arizona versus San Francisco, and then we head into the playoffs. Short thoughts on the schedule before we get to minor league football talk, and then we'll get out of here. What do you guys think? Jared Goff mentioned the bye week. Well, Jared Goff doesn't write for Tertio Times. Yet. If you if you read if you read the the ESPN article, uh, they mentioned they wanted him to do something like squat down and and do. He's like, no, I can't do that. It's 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 Monday. We we don't. I can't be doing that. You know, we're nine weeks in with no buy, so he's he's very cognizant of the fact they haven't a buy. I think it's you know it's worked out for them because they're pretty healthy, and that lets them potentially get a keep to lead back after this game, right? Right. Week 13 would be the earliest that they could activate him, and it sounds like it sounds like if it were just on physical readiness that he'd be a go, but they have to wait till week 13. So, yeah, yeah, gotta think he's coming back. Has Aqib Talib ever been more wanted by any other team? Oh my! I mean, come on, no. wants him so bad. We're gonna we're gonna bake a cake. The best part is, let's get Aqib back. Just, just rest him the final two weeks of the season because they've already locked up home field advantage. That'd be even better. Which means. You- which means week 17, got to rest those starters. Got to do it. That's right. It's going to be amazing. Because, you know, if you don't play in the preseason, you can't be sharp. Wait a minute. Sean McVay is already waking up, sprinting towards the 2019 preseason schedule. What's that? Hey, hey, let's go. Come be your, come be your best self, guys. 90-man roster. Let's go. <laughs> Joey, do we have any college football games that are, that are really important to us this weekend, Joey? Is there one oh, that wait, just stands up? You know what? Let me let me look it up. Oh, I, now I have to get on ESPN and you guys suck. And pretend I know stuff about college football. My favorite. I know you, I know you're itching to watch UMass Georgia. Uh, so Alabama's still gonna win, and nobody can challenge Alabama to win. Okay, cool. Let me just click on this website. Okay, so I want to watch Rutgers Penn State more than anybody. I honestly. The weekly college segment is turning into is you guys hating on college football and me just groaning like Marge. Joey. Mm. I, I want to ask a question real quick about Notre Dame. Great game this weekend. Syracuse, Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Going to be fantastic. Wow. What, why are their uniforms all weird? Like they, their, their, helmets, oh, their helmets look all weird. That's an under, that is not weird. This is, and this is the thing. This is when you ask three old guys that just talked about Tom Cruise and Night Court. <laughs> Boys, these uniforms are not made for us. Nope. Negative. That's the Chip it, Kelly. It effect. looks like it looks like they're gonna get gold on like the other team's uniforms. 
it feels like it's too like it's like wet it's too shiny it just looks silly it's like distracting to watch them notre dame uniforms and yankees uniforms had sex and the baby is ugly <laughs> that commercial what's gonna be doc ugly so so here's another question for you joe the 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 three teams right now that are undefeated wait, wait, oh wait, wait, wait there are four teams that are undefeated good sir Oh, I mean, that are in contention, that are on the... How dare you disrespect the University of Central Florida like that? Number 11, 9-0, the pride of Central Florida, the UCF Knights. Oh, yeah, they are 9-0. Yeah, good for them. I play college football, too. Good for you. Good. Yeah. Now go sit over there and watch the big boys. The big boys. Is there, is there a game that you're, you're really actually tuned into this week, Joe, more than the others? You'll watch them yeah. all, but... And is it Middle Tennessee, Kentucky? Are you are you just Jones for some of this? So here's the deal is on Saturday, my wife requested that we begin Christmas barfing, and I have agreed to it. Because what that means is I get to sit around all day and watch football. Boys, it's going down. We're going to start Ohio State at Maryland. College Park, where are you at? It's begin. I'm guarantee you, I watch every single play of that game. That gets into the post lunch hour. Syracuse Notre Dame, number twelve at number three in Yankee Stadium. I don't know how you don't watch that. Follow that up. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Boston College, Florida State. Juice me. Then you get into the <laughs> midday games. Oh, there's so much to look for. I, I, Michigan, I, Michigan, Indiana. You could do Michigan, Indiana. I'm, I might do a little UMass at Georgia on SEC Network, but I got to get ready because once we get to the evening, boys, Stanford, Cal, Cincy, UCF, Iowa State, Texas, my body's ready. My body's trained. And I would throw this out. Arizona at number eight, Washington State. Arizona had a really troublesome early season. They put some things together the last couple of weeks. They're looking like a much better team. They beat Oregon. They beat the pants off Oregon. Then they beat Colorado, who earlier in the season was pretty highly thought of. They're looking like a much better team with Khalil Tate, a quarterback, going into this game, which is at Washington State, Robbo. It's going to be a fun one. Do you think they're going to go to Pullman and, and pull this thing off? Well, that's the point about, that's the point about upsets, right? It, it would be an upset, no doubt. But college football loves an upset. College football loves a November. Arizona in a cold, potential snowy day in Pullman, Washington. Uh, Mike Leach will not let that happen to his boys. Yeah, unfortunately, the problem with the upset is we're not going to get one Citadel at Alabama. I don't think that we're going to get one with Duke going to Clemson. As fun as Duke is, it's at Clemson. I just don't see that happening. But Notre Dame-Syracuse, that could be a fun one. Uh, I think the problem is, and this is just one of those games where nobody feels good about it, we've talked about 10 games. We haven't even mentioned USC-UCLA. Does anybody Does yeah. anybody want to It's It's a big no. one. No. But like nobody wants to. Ugh. Yeah, as a UCLA Bruin fan, nobody should watch that game. You should not be subjected to that garbage. I'm gonna watch, but I'm not gonna feel good about it. I'm not gonna feel good about it, man. You should flip over to Eastern Washington, Portland State, because the Eags have a chance to claim the Big Sky Conference Championship after upsetting the previously undefeated UC Davis Barons last week. And in Cheney, Washington, with a massive ass kicking. Thank you, Cooper Cup. Is his younger brother playing linebacker there, getting shit done? Uh, that that's a good sign of how bad USC UCLA is. Is that you use that as a segue to Eastern Washington, Rob? Ugh, Eeks, go Eeks. We'll see. It's going to be fun though. But what's interesting, I'm still behind every week. I keep saying this. 
and I haven't gotten to the mocks yet. There's so many more mocks that I've got to get to it. Here's what's fun is most of the mocks, I've seen one mock for the Rams that had us taking a defensive lineman. Almost all the other mocks go to linebacker, either inside linebacker and edge. And I think that's too easy, man. They've been watching the Rams defense as well, linebacker. Yeah, they've been paying attention. And it, it's it's obvious. that's a ta- There's a talent deficit there. But I think that's a little bit too easy. And just like we saw with Joe Noteboom, maybe what we saw with Gerald Everett, we know that Les Snead doesn't get pinned down to roster needs early. He really likes roster needs on day three. If you need a linebacker on day three, he has no problem going to get Obanaya Okoronkwo, Micah Kaiser, Trevin Young. He'll go hard. Oh, what's that? We need offensive linemen? Cody Wickman. Uh, Andrew Donnell. Screw it. Let's go to the supplemental draft and get Isaiah Battle. Les Snead loves day three needs picks. But early on, He's open to doing some things that make sense. How many of those day three needs have worked out for less? Yeah, it's not the best strategy. Ho- hopefully he's learned something. I have a feeling that he hasn't. And we're get, whatever our biggest needs are going into this year, get ready for day three, three inside linebackers. Oh, great. He's going to highlight those guys in free agency. I think that they're going to answer a lot of these needs with the edge rushers and middle linebackers. I think that's free agency stuff. With all the cap room and the 27 free agents they have themselves. Love it. You would, hey, Robbo, you want to play in Los Angeles. This is a football city. A destination. It's a city of champions. It's a destination town now. And it really actually yeah. is. I was joking, Dude, but. We got good sushi and good tacos, man. Come on over. Yeah, good. All you hear from players are how great the weather is and that they're winning and they love Sean Bay. So, yeah, I mean, I think players do want to come there. Bro, we can get move, games moved from Mexico to L.A. You understand how much pull we have? Oh, b- oh, by the way, I'm just putting it out there now. In and out French fries are good. And everybody that talks about how they're terrible, you're all jerks. They're terrible. I hate them. Bravo, you're a jerk. Big jerk. I hate their fries. I tried the double, I tried the double fried version. I've tried the double fried version. And neither way it works for me. I just, I can't do them. I've been eating In and Out French fries since I was a baby. <laughs> since I was like a one week old baby. I was like, these are delicious. As am I. And I'm 10 years older than you, and they were garbage then, they're garbage now. Hi, can I get your order? Yeah, what's up? Uh, let me get uh, one animal-style French fries. Hold the French fries. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, you just... What, you want? Yeah, no, no French fries, just like the onions and the sauce. And can you put it in a cup and give me a straw? Thanks, man. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.